didn't drop again this year, but I was pretty pissed off that the New Jersey Devils did move up. I'm not going to lie. I was heated too. And the fact that the Montreal Canadiens get rewarded for being terrible after a year that they go to the Stanley Cup finals is, is kind of annoying too. It's 10 months, 10 months in between. Yeah. That is insane. That's insane. Uh, I know Andy was fired up about it too. He was not, he's calling out Gary. But this is this is back to back years now that the last place team didn't Ga- move. Gary, Gary Batman, Gary, <laughs> Joe Biden, Gary Batman. Um, but yeah, this is yeah back to back years with teams not moving down. And of course, if we go back three years, who was the team in last? Detroit. Yeah, I mean, it worked out pretty well for us that year, I'd say. And we'll get into him and others in this episode but anyway welcome to the production line podcast my name is garth wickham grant wickham yeah no andy this week um he's living he's, it up in florida yeah like not, not like he's not in south beach though so he's not hanging out with kodak where <laughs> where even is he i don't want to blow up a spot i don't know if he wants uh, me saying it on here uh, i won't say <laughs> it. uh actually no, i'll say it orlando i think that's oh, okay. i think it's where he is i don't care it's pretty south, isn't it? I don't know my Florida. It's like the middle of the state. <laughs> it's like Colorado is a southern state. I mean, yeah, according to some people. Yeah. A certain TNT host. Yeah. Oh Orlando's God. a southern Florida city. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. Like, if, I, if I'm going to pull up the map right now, but I don't think so. Um, anyway, uh, we're not going to be talking about Florida g- geography in this episode. We'll be touching on the Jack Black and his fandom of the Florida Panthers. We actually can talk about that. I actually kind of want to talk about that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, the draft lottery results. Um, the Calder nominees came out today. And I prepped this about a week ago. Or yeah, the last episode. But we had a lot of stuff come out like with Steve Eisman's press conference and more the Jeff Blashold news, obviously factoring into that. So we'll do a, it's probably be a couple part series of a season review. We'll start with the forwards this, this week, um, depending on scheduling and whatnot should touch on the next episode, but we'll see. But yeah, first a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Yeah, so you want to start with Kodak? Yeah, I think his Instagram posts are electric. Uh, the thought of him posting three posts at the same diff- same time, back to back to back, about the Florida Panthers is unreal. Guy loves the Panthers. He literally flew to Washington, D.C. to watch the last game. Did he? You know, you know he was at that game? He posted about it no. on Insta. He was at that game. I thought it was the one in South. Like I thought he was the one in. It was out. Those two, but he was at the one in DC. It is a bummer though. The Panthers didn't give him the luxury box again, though. Yeah. 
But how's he? How's this man supposed to conduct business? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just, did like the picture of Duclair wearing his chain. That was really funny. Like the obnoxious, probably like fifty thousand dollar chain. It's just funny that Anthony Duclair is wearing it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I did. I loved every second of that. Like he's he was standing up the whole time. Like if I was standing by, I was if I was sitting behind him, I'd be a little pissed. I realized how short he was too. He's oh, tiny. he's tiny. Yeah. He, I mean, most rappers are to be honest. They're they're pretty short, but yeah, he's very small. He's probably like five six or something like that. True. They yeah. are all short. Yeah. If you think about it, like you think it's... about like Detroit ties, like Eminem. I think Eminem's like five seven. Yeah, geez, he's like four, four, three. Geez, he, what? He's actually like one of the rare <laughs> tall ones. Uh, this is not a, this isn't no jumper though, so we won't get into the rap talk. But um, yeah, we can get into the draft lottery, which I was, I thought it was at seven o'clock at the start of the, also, I said in the last episode that it was Monday night that it was happening. That didn't, that was not the case. I was hopeful. That's why this episode's happening uh, Wednesday night, Thursday, when everyone's hearing this. Um, yeah, I was trying to work around our schedules because I had Men's League Tuesday. So, again, so it happened to be Tuesday night. I thought I was going to miss it. And, of course, it, it work, works out where I, I was able to leave right after it ended. I don't know why I even stayed and watched it. It was a waste of my time. Like, I also think about, like, the GMs that join the Zoom meeting and they're, like, the 15th and 16th place teams. Like, Derek England. Derek like, England. What, is, <laughs> what, what is he doing there? Oh, uh, I love that. I, wasn't it Wasn't it last year with Jim Nill? He had his, like, his headphones in and then, like, as soon as Dallas got called, he, like, ripped out his headphones and closed the call. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because it probably just, it's stupid. Like, why? Like, I think it only should be, the, really, the lottery teams. Yeah. To be honest, like, the top 10. Because yeah. the odds, but no. What if like Vegas just moves up to the number one pick? Just super unrealistic, but it just happens. And Derek England just sitting there. I would love to see Derek England's reaction. Well, with the new rules, Vegas wouldn't be able to pick number one. Oh, they they wouldn't be able to. Remember the so if Vegas wins a lottery, they only they move up ten spots. Oh, so that's what it is. So they would be picking six, which would be huge for them. Still, that would be so big for them. Which I don't know. I think it's top 10 protected. The pick is for Buffalo. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was lottery protect. If it was lottery, that means Buffalo would be getting another pick, which would have been sick. Yeah. It's just funny because if it would have been, if they would have moved up 10 picks, there's no way Vegas misses the playoffs next year. So I think Buffalo's pick would have been garbage for next year. No, this is and especially in this draft, like I have a lot of guys I like in that range. Buffalo Baldo. Yeah, nine and sixteen. They're doing great. I mean, Columbus is the real winner. hundred <laughs> percent. Six and twelve. Well, and you compare the difference of Seth Jones to Jack Eichel and the difference of players you got there. That oh, haul, yeah. That haul talking- for Seth Jones is ridiculously good. And I literally don't think they lost much with Seth Jones. <laughs> Yeah, they're about the same as I think they would be with Seth Jones, to be honest. Also, they got Cole Sillinger, Kent Johnson, and Adam Boquist. I mean, Kent Johnson was their own Kent pick. Kent Johnson but was I mean, their own pick. Yeah, I mean, Cole yeah. Sillinger and whoever is going to be sixth overall this year. Yeah. And I don't know. I like their defense without him. I think that'd be the perfect pick for Juracek right there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's Columbus. Just think of Juracek and Wierenski. 
And yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how they don't pick a defenseman. Yeah. That's like their biggest kind of their, I mean, also centers, but I mean, they also did. I mean, if you count Johnson and cylinders centers, I don't know if I do or not. I would also like to go on a tangent right now, really quick. Before. I mean, I'm already on a tangent, but go for it. Okay. So before the playoffs started, actually a little bit after the playoffs started, I decided to get Sling TV for me or Garth and I to use to share an account and just split it basically. So it was an easier time to watch games because you can't have just watch games on ESPN Plus. Because why would you be able to do that? And they have like three different packages on there. I think one is the orange package, the blue package, and then the orange and blue package. And so I'm like, well, what's the difference? Uh, the difference is that the orange package, only one person can view at one time. The blue package, three people can view. And the orange and blue combined, which is a more expensive price, four people can view. And it's listed as four people. But knowing, not knowing ESPN is technically an orange channel. So if you combine the two packages together, ESPN is still an orange channel. So only one person can watch. So Garth and I are trying to watch the draft lottery at the same time. And it's an orange channel. So only one of us can watch. So I had a long talk with customer service and complaining to them about how stupid it is that they can't just say on it that it doesn't matter if it's orange and blue combined, the orange channel still won't work. So yeah, that's my little tangent. Sling TV has scammed us. We've gotten, yeah, the streaming services really get you this time of year. Yeah. When ESPN Plus is like, all right, we're done. We've done our due diligence for the year. Oh, I saw something that Disney recorded an increase of over 8 million users to, to their, um, like uh, ESPN Plus because of hockey. Yeah. Crazy. That's a huge number. And they, you know, but but they can't afford to show playoff hockey there. That'd be be crazy. (laughs) That'd be terrible. It'd ruin the game. It would ruin the game. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say speaking of ruining the game, but it doesn't ruin the game. The Red Wings are picking eight. (laughs) I I really want to say Trevor (laughs) Zegras. Oh, he is ruining the game. We'll get into him. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, no, the Red Wings pick eight, and I like I, t- I think I told you on the phone. I I had no expectations going into this. I I really didn't think until maybe about thirty minutes before. I was a little excited. I'm like, hey, you know, the Red Wings have gotten knocked down or stayed the same legitimately the whole time they've been in this situation. Maybe we get rewarded. We didn't. That's okay. We have Steve Eisman. I'm fully confident in that man t- making a pick. I mean, the likes. There's so many players I think of in this scenario. I mean, a Matt Savoy who's keeps constantly falling down draft boards right now. Give me. Uh, Frank Nazer is my guy. Jimmy uh, Snuggerud. You like Jimmy <laughs> Snuggerud. I'm not taking him that high. <laughs> me neither. Like Lakira Mackey, <laughs> big fan of. Yeah, there's like a Brad La- Brad Lambert would be an interesting option. There's a bun- bunch of like good center options. Or if you like when I if there's some crazy falling, maybe like a Eurocheck. I don't see him, I don't see him getting past I don't, Columbus. Though. I think he's gonna shoot up if anything. I think him and Nemec are gonna go really soon. And I'm being think, really upset. 
even though I feel like I shouldn't be excited about two defensemen. No, nah, I don't care. Yeah. Load up. Load they're, up. They're sick. Like Tampa Bay, man. I mean, granted, they're losing right now, and that doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't doesn't change my opinion that they have three sick defensemen. Yeah. Four. Um, yeah, four. Um, yeah. I think Eric Chernak is sick in his own way. I think he he's a beast. I'm actually writing an article right now about uh, coaching options, and uh, Eric Chernak is mentioned in the article with uh, Benoit, Benoit Gruel because he was the coach with uh, Sorelli, Chernak, and Yanni Gord. Interesting. A little, little, bit, little tangent, but um, yeah, I don't see Juracek or Simon Nemec falling past Seattle and um, who was I just talking? Who we were just talking about? Six Columbus. Those are the two teams they're picking defensemen. Yeah. Easiest fits. Easiest. Fits. I agree. I saw a couple of public lists today that said Cutter Gauthier is projected to go top five, which is really interesting to me. I've only watched a little bit of him, and I, I do like him, but like I don't, I don't know, I don't see top five to be honest. But do you think this U.S. class is as good as 2019? No, that's right? a really, that's a really good question. 2019, who is? They have like a good defenseman there. It was like Cam York. I was it right. Cam York was sick going into the draft, though. No, he was he's good. Like he's a mid-round defenseman, but they have USA has mid-round defensemen in like Chesley and Seamus Casey. Casey's very small, but he's good. Lane Hudson as well. Um yeah. they, they also the had the goalie. Yes, yeah, tonight. Spencer, yeah, they did not have the goalie this year. They did not. Uh I would say the 2019 class is still better. Yeah, I think so. I like Logan Cooley, but I think I think him and Trevor Rosiger said give a wash. Well, I mean, honest. it was Turcotte at that time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm looking back now, but I'm saying, I'm saying, at the time, Turcotte would have been the Cooley, right? Zegers would have been the what? Gautier, Nazar, McGrory, and Nazar. Yeah, yeah. McGrory kind of fell a little bit, but I mean, he's he rose back up after his U18s, but um, yeah, Detroit, like. I think we're pretty well positioned in this draft at eight to get someone who can play in the top six. Or if you're a checker, Nemich fall a top four defenseman. Yeah. Which is what, which is ultimately what you want in a draft when you're a rebuilding team. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it's a bummer. It's a bummer that New Jersey was the one that ended up going up because now this is since 2017, they've only picked outside the top five once. Yeah. Which is crazy. And they got Alex Holtz. Oh, he's quite good. <laughs> yeah, it's ama- it's amazing to me that New Jersey's still bad. I don't consider them bad per se. I think they have had a lot of uh, unluck this year. I could put it. I mean, they were literally playing with John Gillies as their goalie part of the year. Yeah, no, I, I think the goalies definitely factored in, but like. You still look at the team around him, even fully healthy. You're like, that's not a competing team. I agree. They, they have Lynn, a lot of pieces and... that I really like. No, no, no. I love like Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer is a Jack one. Hughes and Dawson all, also out half the year. Yes, Dawson Mercer as well as a third line center. Hilarious, very yeah. good. Um, I like Sharon Govich. He's a good player. Um, Fabian Zetterlund, the last game of the year was a stud. He was a stud the his last like ten games. Yeah, he's no, they really have a bunch fun of, to watch. Alex Holtz is a good player. Um, good I'm really player. curious about Jasper Bratt. What's going to happen oh, with his situation? So good. He's in for a payday. He had a 
unbelievable year. And I don't know if they're going to want to pay him. I know there was talk about that. I don't see why you wouldn't pay him. My only One problem that, with their forward group, I think they're really small. And if that's you what keep, I was just going to say, keep going about the small way, you can only have so many small forwards and a contending team, in my opinion. I saw, I saw a mock trade. I wouldn't do this personally, but I thought it was interesting and deserved some conversation. Um, to Vancouver, the second overall pick to New Jersey, JT Miller. Yeah, that's hectic as ever. Very hectic, but it kind of makes sense, but not for that price, obviously. Yeah. Second overall, I mean, it's going to be Slavkowski. They're going to pick what well, we talked about. It like That's a guarantee because they don't need centers. Yeah. Unless they decide to go off the board. Unless they go but... with a defenseman. I don't think that's off the board for either defenseman either. I mean, they got Dougie. They got like Luke Hughes. Like They have one, two right there. Yeah. So I, I kind of see that as a strength of theirs besides – I mean, I like Ryan Graves a lot, but, I mean, he's not youth, I guess. I like but... Ty Smith, too. I think he's kind of got a bad rep. Yeah. The, he's yeah. kind of a wild card. Yeah, no, he's fun. I like I like Ty Smith as well. Um, I also thought Subban was serviceable at the end of the year. I don't think he's getting re-signed, though. No, he's not going to get re-signed, but, I, I, again, he's I think he's a, he's, a bottom, he's a bottom pair defenseman. Yeah, I agree. Um. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Do you think Montreal – was it rigged? No. Draft, in draft in Montreal? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Some, I, saw, I saw some people suggest it and, like, the, how the draft lottery is rigged, and I'm like – I wanted Arizona to win. They're such I a good not. hockey market. I did not. I, I'm glad they I'm fell. Kidding. That was the one. That was the one team I wanted to fall. <laughs> that was a joke. They played in front of 5,000 I feel. I, I, I feel bad for Logan Cooley. I hope he goes to Minnesota for four years and doesn't sign. <laughs> Honestly, okay. <laughs> Hear me out. I'm just saying this now. I didn't think about this before. He can do that. He could do that, yeah. He could do that. He's going to be and ready after one year, though. Is Minnesota's arena bigger than Arizona State's? Completely honest question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. Because that's funny to me. I'll be so funny. I know he's, like, considered, like, almost NHL ready and like he could sign an ELC as soon as he gets drafted and not go to school. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think, I think he probably goes to school either way, but man, that'd be really interesting. So the golden Gophers men's ice hockey team seats approximately 10,000 fans. (laughs) (laughs) They double the coyotes arena, double it. That is awesome. Oh, poor Logan Cooley. I feel so bad. I really like him, too. I know. The Coyotes have so many fun prospects, too. Yeah, like, I... Uh, I'm trying... No, I can't even think... Like, I know you like that Michelli guy. I love Michelli. Uh, they're going to have Cooley. They have Genther, who's sick. I like Genther. I like Genther. That was the yeah. guy. Doan is also filthy. Him and Master Simone next year. Yeah, at ASU. Which we didn't, we didn't really mention. Master Simone... Uh, transferring to ASU. Does that make you a little nervous about like him not signing? Um, no. No? Okay. No. I mean, this is his last year to sign, correct? After this following season? Yeah, yeah. So once his season's over in ASU, that's time to sign. No. I'm not too worried. I'm not worried until after the season is right. over for him. Uh, ultimately, I think if you're a high draft pick, you stick to who drafted you usually 
unless right. you're really got an attitude and think you're better than you are like adam fox yeah i thought i saw it like theorized that like he's going to arizona to get like a better like look in az it kind of makes sense like if you want like an actual contract right away like and if you had a good year to be the guy to be signed like not change arenas but i yeah i'm with you i don't think it's the case Maybe. i think it was more so that bu was getting rid of their head coach and i think he wanted to change as well considering bu wasn't really that great this year yeah i could see that too um yeah that kind of does it with the draft lottery i mean it's it's just such an awkward event it is like bill daly they're like oh kevin weeks like bill daly how are you and bill daly's like i'm, I'm good and then i'm good it. I spent last week. Actually, I can't tell you what I did last week. Yeah, because he's a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. him and Gary Bevan can kick rocks. Oh, what I was gonna say. Oh, yes, the interview with Shane Wright before the before the thing started. By the way, was not live. I wanted to tell you that. Yeah, obviously. Because uh, Shane Wright had a game going on at that exact time. Yeah. So I, I wanted I was like trying to tell because I heard it on the Jeff Merrick show um, before it started, and then I was like thrown off that he was there, and so I was trying to tell if the questions like they were asking the questions live, but the the responses were after the fact, like before. So I was trying to tell if there was like long pauses and like not personalized, but there was like laughing and stuff. So it was pre-recorded before, but I thought it was funny. Yeah, I was hoping it was kind of just be a big old show. Um, but yeah, today uh, we got the three caller finalists, and uh, I wasn't really surprised. I, they're not my like well, one guy's in my pick, but I'm not surprised with how it went. So Cider, Bunting, and Trevor Zegris nominated for the Calder. What are your initial reactions? Um, you got two right. Uh, the third one I would heavily debate two guys and I could hear an open debate. Um, I really don't think Bunting deserves any sort of color recognition. He's, you sent me the tweet earlier. He's 30 days younger than 15, 2015 or 15 days younger. Yeah. Than the 2014 color, 13, 2013 called 14, 14, 14, 2013. Yeah, 2014 Calder winner. Nathan McKinnon. Um, yeah, you do that math. This is 2022. That's a lot of years. I can't count that high, but that is a lot of years. And yeah, thinking about it, Nathan McKinnon, he seems so like not that old. No. That's crazy. Yeah, he's almost 27. Um, yeah, I am so okay with Zegris being in there, and I think there is a legitimate conversation for him. Um, I think he's the clear number two guy. He had an unreal year, yeah. and yeah. you factor in his line mates and what he did this year. He had, what, 61 points in 75 games? Yeah. That's unreal. He spent like the last like month of the season playing with like was it uh oh, Derek Grant? Thank you. That's what I was thinking of. And yes. he was lighting it up every game. Yeah, lucky Zegers Derek Grant. Was, he had him. so many two point games that just went untalked untalked about towards the end of the year. He was down the end of the stretch. He was actually sick, and he, 
what was untalked about, I should say, is actually that he was playing with Derek Grant. Yes. I'd, I'd tune into a game and Derek Grant would just be on his wing. And Derek Grant had a lot of goals down that stretch, too. It's like when Pat Maroon played with Connor McDavid. Yeah, exactly. I'm not com- obviously I'm not comparing like McDavid to Zegris, but like you get like the gist of like line. Yeah, you're comparing it's like Derek Grant to McDavid, right? Here, here's a here's a good one for the Red Wings. It's like Mort Sider <laughs> playing with Danny DeKaiser. Exactly. It's hard, and I think so, those are two good comparisons. Like, yes, Zegris's production with Derek Grant is crazy. Yeah. I do think Derek Grant's a serviceable player and not no, comparable to Danny DeKaiser. Yeah, he's a, he's a fourth line or 13th forward. Yes, he can play the hockey. Yes. Dan DeKaiser cannot play the hockey. Cannot play the hockey. He cannot. <laughs> uh, but they both did spectacular things with not-so-spectacular players on their side. Yeah. No, I agree completely. Uh, um, and then on the other spectrum, Michael Bunting, Michael C. Hall, was playing with Austin Matthews, arguably the best player in the league this year. Not yes. arguably. He was the best player in the league this year during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Mitchell Marner, who did not get talked about enough this year, but he almost had 100 points. Top five player in the NHL this year. Yes. I think for that third player – I look toward um, Lucas Raymond, obviously, mm-hmm. unbiased. Thank you. <laughs> and then I really look towards Anton Lindell. And then if you want to get crazy and really value, this is value the end of the season over more towards the first part of the season. Seth Jarvis, to me, has been spectacular down to the last stretch. And it's transferred into playoffs. He's been electric. And which which for such a small guy and a rookie, you'd think oh he'd struggle. My gosh, man. He has been so good in the playoffs. He's made uh Martin HS uh expendable. I a hundred percent agree. Yes. He's better than Martin HS already. Yeah, and I love Martin HS. Like if me too. I think there's so much upside there. Yes, he's just not giving getting those reps and stuff. But anyway, yeah, I I like this Jarvis uh, shout out. I have a two other guys I'd I'd shout out as well. Uh, Jeremy Swayman, I agree. As as a goalie and playing, he's playing a one A one B situation with Linus Allmark, so he got a consistent amount of games. It wasn't like wasn't like he played like fifteen games. I don't know that I think he played over he played over thirty. I think. This year, which is good, and he played on a on a team that's in the playoffs, which is relevant. Um, I'd also like to shout out who's the other guy I wanted to shout out. I'd I'd even consider Ch- Tanner Janot in there. I was gonna say him too. Uh, I would too. I think he's an interesting guy. The type of role he played in Nashville was so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and his he'd hit everything in sight. Uh, not anymore because they got swept, but uh, he was very valuable to them. This year. Elliot, Elliot Friedman said today that he didn't have bunting in his final three and he had Tanner Janot in there instead. I mean, it makes sense to me. Uh, Swayman, 2.41 goals against, 9-1-4, save percentage on, in 41 games. Oh, yeah, so it's even more games. Yeah. That's a good season. Yeah, very like, good. Very good. 
Um, I mean, sure, he struggled last night in the playoffs, but I mean, it doesn't matter. It's about regular season. And he's playing in the playoffs, actually, which is big. Um, yeah, that kind of does it with that. I mean, Cider, great. He's going to win. He's the obvious I think for that. Also, Caulfield would have been a heavy uh, ask, too, if he would have started the year the way he ended the year. Boldy as well. Uh, yeah. Matt Boldy, Boldy could have been in serious. That's the other guy I was blanking on. And then I those said, two guys, know. if they didn't, I mean, have rocky starts. I mean, Boldy was was an injury, mm-hmm. but Caulfield's is a rocky start. Yep, I agree one hundred percent. Um, yeah, I mean, more on cider. I, I mean, what else is there to say with fifty points, leading the Red Wings in assists, forty three, uh, leading the team in ice time over 23 minutes, leading all rookies by almost two full minutes. It's three. It's, it's not non-argument. It's who finishes second. And it should um, be Zegris. That should be a non, it's not non-conversation either. That's, yeah, that's non-arguable in my opinion. Zegris was a clear, those two are the clear front runners to me. I do think, I understand if you have Zegris over Cider. Um, in yeah. some capacity, I see there's a way. Sure. I 100% believe in my full heart that it is Cider's trophy. Yes. Um, the What he did this year, I know we've discussed it a little bit, but the Red Wings MVP was more at Cider this year. I know you said Dylan Larkin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cider was. That's, um, it, again, not that, really like it's – no. It's not a hot take. It's no. It was those two guys hands down, but I I think Cider was spectacular this year. Yeah, the poise he had and the ability to play with like two, argue like one seventh or eighth defenseman and the other the corpse of a once good defenseman, and then Nick Letty, who was very bad in Detroit, now is good in St. Louis. Yeah, so. Can factoring that in if if we're gonna fact like not like ugh, I'd hate that Maple Leafs fans like they're like oh it doesn't matter he earned the spot on the top line okay I'm just I'm just saying like who look who Cider played with all year that arguably hurt his stock if he would have had a better defensive partner I'm I'm really curious to see what would have happened yeah. Also, he played in every single situation that there is as a 20-year-old defenseman most of the year. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that should be worth something. He was logging, what, 22 minutes average a night? 23. What was his average? 23 average. That's yep. incredible for a 20 to 21-year-old. As a defenseman in the league, you never see players playing that much at that age. No. Very rarely. I, I I think almost everywhere he excelled this year. The only part I didn't like him on the ice for was the penalty kill this year. I thought he was bad in the penalty kill. Yep, I agree but, completely. But this is a cider uh, talk up. So other than that, like he was spectacular. Five on five and five on four, he was incredible. Yeah. He's the best overtime power play too. guy. And in overtime, he was great. Yeah. No, he was... Yeah, him and Ray. It was him and Raymond's power play. Yep, Raymond struggled on the power play towards the end of the year. Yeah, especially so, with entries. Yep. Which I think again, he's very young. He'll improve at, but yeah, yeah. Cider, 
I did see Red Wing fans getting upset about it on Twitter that bunting was it. But I don't. I'm not really upset about it because it's obviously Siders. So yeah. we're on a, we're having a winner. I agree. It, it's. I mean, it. It's kind of stupid that he wasn't didn't get recognized, but also I don't. I don't care. I don't know. I, there's, like you said, there's seven other guys that could be in conversation for that third place. Yes. That who who cares about? Mm-hmm. It's. I think it's kind of awesome that Bunting's going to be in there as a 26-year-old. Don't you feel really left out that you're in the conversation for a rookie trophy when you're you're barely younger than the guy who won this trophy in 2014? Isn't that kind of embarrassing to you? The Billy Madison meme. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Been sitting in the classroom. Uh, Uh, Funny. Um, But, yeah, I think we'll go into – the season review and we'll go player by player. We're going to start with forwards. I think this is going to end up being with time and whatnot. I don't know. We'll see how many we can get through, but it might end up being more so a top six edition. And then we get through the rest in another episode. Um, Yeah. I'm just going to go line by line and what they were most of the year or combinations of it. And we'll start off with Tyler Bertuzzi. What do you think of his year as a whole? I think from a production standpoint, he was fantastic. Was he 61 points? Um, hold on. I have the pulled up right here. I live, I literally said before the episode, I'm I'm prepped and I'm gonna have the stats up. I didn't have the stats up. <laughs> um 62 points, 30 goals, 32 assists, 32 assists, 68 games. Correct. Okay. Uh, that is crazy in itself for a guy that has not put a production like that ever in his career. We saw a stint last year where he had seven points in his nine games that he played, and he was unbelievably fun to watch in those nine games. And then that had that bad injury. Yeah. I, I think his year as a whole, uh, he was the heart and soul of the team the heartbeat of the team when Larkin was out of the lineup at that first part of the season yep, where Cider was still getting established and stuff. And those two were the heartbeat and Bertuzzi, that game against Buffalo, I know Buffalo was still a meme at the beginning of the year, but he carried them to that win with his two goals towards the end of the game. Yeah, he was that third period was we were, we were thinking like how bad of a period or how bad of a game that was. And then the third period, Bertuzzi turned it on. I think about that game when I think about him. I mean, he first game, first game of the year, first game of the year. There were so many great moments from Bertuzzi this year. Uh, back half of the year, his plus minus went down the hole after being probably a plus 10 throughout most of the year. Um, that whole line took a big hit. So, I mean, if I were to give him a grade, is that what you're asking for? I, I'm not necessarily looking for a grade. I mean, if you want to, if you want to sign him a letter, good, go for it. But I wasn't really asking for it, I guess. I would probably his B plus, A minus. Okay. It was yeah. really good. It was just the back half of the season. That whole line was terrible defensively. Yeah. No, I think definitely the first 35 games of the year, I'm going to say, 
uh, you can make the argument that Todd Bertuzzi was the best player, like forward on this team at least. I don't there. think that was an argument. I think it was clear. Yeah. Then we had the switch of lines, I'd say about game 50-ish, where he went down to the second line. And that's when like Dylan Larkin was kind of ramping it up at that point, And Dylan Larkin became arguably the best. And then him and Sider, obviously. Sider uh, started coming to his own. Yes and no. I think that second line was great for five games. Yes. And you were like, wow, we have two lines clicking now. Isn't this great? After those first, five first, games, first time since whatever, 2016. After those five games, two four fell off. And then one four fell off. And then five nine took a hit. Yes. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, it should that should definitely be factored in that he's playing with lesser talents as well on the second line. Um, but I think he proved this year that he's a top line forward. Plain and simple. He's a top line. He's a top line winger. Is he a, a top end top line winger? No. No, but, but no. I, I said it earlier this year. How fun would it be if he was subbed in for Michael Bunting on that line with Matthews and Marner? He would have had seventy five points, if not eighty. Yeah. How fun would that line be? <laughs> It'd be amazing. It'd be such a good line. Um. Yeah. For Tuzi, yeah, he's true first line talent which is something we couldn't have said before this year we we, we saw flashes and we're like yeah maybe like he had a, always ended seasons at the beginning of his career very hot like i think it was the one where the the it was 2018-19 where the mantha lark and bertuzzi line first got put together and bertuzzi was like the star of the week in the nhl twice in a row yeah as he had, <laughs> as he had like nine points in like two games at one point it was insane um yeah, my biggest thing with Bertuzzi to watch this year is obviously contract. I mean, Eisman did mention that that was the goal to sign Larkin and Bertuzzi. I think Larkin gets done for sure, but I mean, Bertuzzi's had two, let's say, tough negotiations under with Eisman. So the question is whether they negotiate term or not, and how hard Bertuzzi stands on that. Or this is this is to me another Jesper Bratt situation where. How does Eisenman see fit with Bertuzzi? Although the only problem with Bertuzzi compared to Brat is is Larkin on his last straw with his best friends getting traded away. No, I, I definitely th- like that's a really good point. That could be like a whole another topic on an off season episode when we're running out of content with that. But I think that's a like a a, a factor that Steve Eisenman has to play in because I mean the Mantha one, regardless like what you think of the trade. I mean obviously we want it, but. That was his. That was Larkin's. Like, that was his best friend. Like, those are the guys that like he came up with, and that the, was the, supposed to be the quote unquote core. Him and Double A. Yep, and Double A as well. Yeah, I forgot about Double A, who scored in the playoffs against his really former fun. team. You know, <laughs> also former, Troy Stetcher, two Red Wings scoring last night. Troy I mean, Man- on a heater. Mantha's been really good in the playoffs. Like all the former Red Wings are showing out. Yeah, it's really funny. Vlad's in the third line with Luke Glendening. Vlad is fun. I love Vlad. They're gonna win. Uh, yeah, I hope. So. <laughs> I don't hope. I was no, gonna win. No, gonna lose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, like Bertuzzi, it's, uh, it's just the question mark where Stevie sees fit in him. I could see him being more of a Alex Kalorn to this Red Wings team, where he's that second line kind of gritty, very skilled, complain your first power play unit guy. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, Kalorn signed a lengthy deal with the Lightning. And people were like, ooh, that's not a great contract. But, I mean, look at him. He's a consistent 55-point guy, right? And that can do all the intangibles. Right. 
So I kind of view Bertuzzi like that. It's just the point of what's the money going to be. So, I mean, Bertuzzi's here this year. I he's up. I think he's up in the $6 million range. The only thing with that is if you give him term compared to money, what's right. he going to say about that? And if you see him being fit, like you said, and Alex Kalorn is a really good comparison. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Could you squeak by like a really good contract uh, money-wise just for term? Because if you right. see him being a leader of this team for the next coming years, I think I'm okay with a term contract where you're paying him less. Yes. It's just if he's okay with that. Yeah, I think we're past the point of worrying about another Justin Applicator situation. Because immediately when Justin Applicator signed that extension, he, he put up like 30 points. Yeah. And immediately was bad. And Applicator J- was J- all... There are complete but, different players, too. I agree. Uh, I know. Yeah. But, but like the certain the back surgery was the issue and like a physical player, but Bertuzzi's like honestly he's gritty, but he's I wouldn't say he's that physical. Mm-mm. He's more of a smart, skilled possession player than anything in my mind. Yeah, and he hops into the gritty places. When he hops in, it's when one of his teammates gets banged up. Right, he's a, he's a good team guy. Like that's yeah, the way I, see I don't. Him. I don't see his style being, and he doesn't rely on speed either, which is a huge concern about guys when they they start playing in their age. If they use speed too much, and that's what they rely on, that's not Bertuzzi's game. He's not a fast guy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very curious to see Bertuzzi should add some interest. Like what's already going to be a very interesting off season. Bertuzzi will be a part of that. And Eisman's decision whether or not to, because I mean, this is I I don't think this is something he'll take to the deadline. I don't think so either. It's going to be I don't solved think, one way or the I think you have to sign him before next season or he's got to be moved before next season. Because what if his uh, his value right now for a trade, if you were to trade him, is way up. If you were to not move him, what if he had a terrible start to the season next year? Yeah, you can't really bank on – yeah, you can't – Bank on him that being he's, great. Yeah, exactly. Players go through the slumps. Mm-hmm. No, I agree completely with, with Bert. Uh, moving on to the centerman, the Larks. Uh, led the team in points. Almost le- was a point per game player up until the end of the season where he was fighting injury. And I think he would have been, a, he would have hit his career high in points this year if, yeah. if he would have played a full 82. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say. I mean, the line took a hit at the end of the year defensively. But I think the first, I would say, 50 to 60 games, Larkin proved that he can play both ends of the ice very well, efficient, efficiently, and can be a tr- – he's a true number one center. Yeah, my my pick with him is towards the end of the season and how bad he was defensively, and that could be factored in from an injury too. So my pick is not – all that there with him. I think about the positives. He was fantastic this year. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for what the better part of 55 games, he was a stud. Yeah, like at one point, he was a top 10 center in production. Yeah. Through like 50 games, like he was up there with the best of the best. And considering the team that he's on, I mean, the line mates definitely helped, but. You could argue Larkin also propped them up as well because I think he showed he could drive play offensively. I think the way he shot the puck this year was so different than years past. I've never seen him with so much confidence while shooting. He's yeah. always been a, had a good shot, but 
Um, the way he moved his feet this year compared to last year, too. He looked like he had no speed last year. I mean, you look at his shooting percentage from last season, right? It was a 6.7, which is very bad. That's not a great season. Philip Zadina Eight, numbers. Philip Zadina numbers. And then you look at this season, 14.6. Yeah. Which is a pretty, like, for a player of the top end top end talent, that's that's an average shooting percentage. When you're high-end skill, you're, you're shooting 12 to 15. Yeah. Anything more than that, you can argue, okay, this is going to go down. This is going to need regression. Like, Vladislav Nemeskov was shooting at, like, 22% at the beginning of the year. <laughs> you He dropped off pretty fast. Yeah. So, Larkin showed that he's able to play at an elite level throughout, almost throughout a full season until injury happened. And, again, we don't really know how much was factored into the injury with his defensive play of the whole line in itself. Um, but I'm more than confident with Dylan Larkin being a first-line center on this team when it's a competing team. The question is we need that number, the guy behind him, but, I mean, that's a future conversation as well. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you – you graded Bertuzzi before. I forgot to grade Bertuzzi. I'd go I'd go a solid A-minus to an A on Bertuzzi, but uh, – I'd go on. clear A-minus the more I think about it. Okay. Uh, Dylan Larkin. I'd go A-minus as well. Yeah. I I'm probably there. A A minus. I'd go if we're going per number percentages. I'd give Bertuzzi a ninety. I'd give Larkin a ninety-two. I'd bump both of those. Uh, I'd be like ninety-two, ninety-three on Bertuzzi. I go ninety-four on Larkin. So there, that's where I'm at. Considering expectation, Larkin was kind of. I knew he was going to bounce back, but I think I projected like sixty-five points for him. But I mean, that's pretty close, sixty-nine. But he didn't play full season. Yeah. So that's pretty good. I was way off in Bertuzzi. I was 12 points off in Bertuzzi, which is pretty hilarious. And I was, I would have been pumped with my initial option. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm pumped to see the only issue with Dylan Larkin's game, I think. And this kind of affects the, like, I don't, Dylan Larkin's not an, an elite power play guy. Yeah. Uh, and, like, that's not a huge gripe. That's just not the style that he plays. Elite five on five, like when it comes to holding possession in the zone, is he uses his speed to go around. I just don't like his game when it comes to slowing things down in the offensive zone when it comes to making plays. I would love to see him develop, be able to develop a just slot power popper. Popper. Yeah. I completely agree. Like, like if they, they used it wrong when Verona was being used in the first power play unit, they had. They had Verona as the bumper guy, which is not what should be happening. No, agreed. I just think Larkin should just stand still on the power play and just shoot pucks when it comes to him. He's a, he improves he has, his shot so much. He's a really good shot in tight. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, moving on to the next guy. Uh, the rookie himself, the one snubbed off of the nominees, Lucas Raymond. What do you think? Raymond was unexpectedly very, very good this year. I mean, you have when you hear that someone's coming to the team that makes it out of camp as a 19-year-old, your your excitement levels go up, and I guess expectations get somewhat high too, probably, for a fourth overall pick. But I was very impressed by his play all season. I th- he was 
great for most of the season too. It's the same thing with Bertuzzi and Larkin. He slowed off towards the back at end of the season. I mean, you're not making playoffs. Things get tough. It game changes when you know you're not going to make the playoffs. It does. I think for him playing also an 82 game season is a lot different than what he was used to, which can be wearing on the body. To think about him and how well he adapted to a whole new system, new sheet size, as in ice, so easily to me is incredible. I mean, he's right in that A minus A range too, along with Larkin and Bertuzzi. I would say I'd have him almost higher than the two of them just because of how he came in and produced right away. I mean, that's huge for the organization as a whole to have him ahead of schedule. I don't know what exactly they had as the schedule for him, but I'd say he's ahead of schedule. I think he's a very, very good power play guy too, which is really important. There's just a couple parts I would like to see him improve on. I think when it comes to slowing down the game, he is so good at it. And then just changing paces. He's top notch at that. There's not many players that are so good at being able to change pace. Uh, Alexander Barkov is very good at being able to motor and then slow the game down. And I want to see Raymond get a little bit better at that because when he is doing that consistently, just motoring and then slowing the game down, He's those games. He's literally the best player on the ice. Yeah, I agree completely. I really liked the points you made about the 82 game season. Cause I ultimately think that was the biggest um, factor in his drop off in the late, the latter half of the year. Cause I mean, look at the first half of the season. He was like on pace to be putting up almost over way over 60 points. And I mean, it could be some factor in with his line mates. Probably. I mean, sure. Maybe. But, I mean, he was also creating plays and times and spa- time and space for those guys. And I, again, with the power play and stuff, too, they, it was pretty obvious early on that the power play was cement to go through him. I felt like it kind of changed halfway through the year, and it was more so focused on Cider being the distributor. But I felt that it was the half wall was used more so in the beginning of the year, especially when they had Nick Letty on the top unit. Nick Letty's job was strictly to give the puck to Lucas Raymond and Lucas Raymond make a play. And that was so fun. It was a lot of fun. I agree completely. Um, but yeah, then it kind of turned into Cider passing to Raymond, which worked. It was and it was still Raymond's for a while, but then Cider was able to develop into the that power play guy. And it, it kind of everything went through him, which I think was kind of the issue as well with lack of movement. Um, not saying Cider being good in the power play is a bad thing. It's just the other guys, I think, maybe relied a little bit too much on his puck moving ability. Um, but yeah, back to Raymond. i very surprised on how well he can shoot the puck. Like, I, I I don't know what I was expecting, but his shooting ability is actually very good. I wish he used his shot more. That's, like, one of my biggest critiques of him is he constantly looks past, and he needs to shoot more. He has a really good shot. Um, A couple of things I want to see him work on, and I really liked what he said when he didn't – when he chose not to go to the World Championships is he, wanted to pre- he wants to prep for a full season next year, which I think will, will improve his game. 
but strength on the puck, which happens when you're a 19 year old, that's 5'11 and 180 pounds in the NHL. Strength on the puck. And what was the other thing I was going to say? I can't remember. That sucks. Wow. All right. Never mind. He's perfect. I can't. No, I, I agree completely with the strength on the puck thing. I think even throughout the year, he became stronger and stronger. During training camp and preseason, every time you like watched him, he'd have a good moment, and then he'd get bumped off the puck really easily. So I was really worried about him making the NHL because of that. My thing I was going to point out, my point was going to be, he his biggest test next year is to prove that he can play across an 82-game season and produce it at a high level. So most of his production was the first 50 games of the season. Which isn't a bad thing. I mean, this is his first year and he was still growing. And I'm not saying this is in a negative way to slight him. It's just for that, the the sophomore slump that's always a thing in the NHL. This is one thing rookies struggle with a lot. And if he's if he's going to avoid that, he's got to prove through an 82-game season he's going to deal with it. And I think he will. He seems pretty motivated. He said he wanted to work on strength and speed this summer, which is the two things I think are his biggest weakness. He's not he's not slow he's not a slow player by any means but he's not fast he's quick. The first two steps he makes in the offensive zone he can get away from people, but then those are steps three and four that people catch up to him. That's when I talk about pace. Pace to me is being able to have those two quick steps, speed the game up, and then be able to slow it down at the same time. And when he's doing that, he's one of the best players on the ice. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'd grade Raymond around an AA minus as well, considering expectations. We, we didn't, we weren't even sure he's gonna make the team. And then he showed through preseason that, oh, he probably should be in the team. Well, he's gonna be like the second line. No, he did not leave the first line once all year, which is awesome. Uh, moving on to the second line though. Uh, we'll start with, uh, Robert Fabry. As I don't think, I don't think anything's listed officially as his name, his name being Robert. But I thought it'd be fun. Uh, what do you think? What do you think of Fabs? Devastating injury uh, for a guy that had two ACL surgeries already. Absolutely, it's really uh, really sucks for him. He's a guy that can bring so much energy, and it seems like fun to the team. Um, for a guy that I think is. He's a wild card a lot of the time. He'll have a really good game and then a really stinker game. But I'd say every game he's bringing energy. It's just he can be a turnover machine a lot of the time. But he also has that really unique shot where it could just go in at at the weirdest time too. Like he'll just catch a pass and then it's just in the back of the net. He's not afraid to play physical and go to the dirty areas for a small guy, too. So I, I really like Robbie Fabry. I think he is a third, a really, really good third liner or a budget second liner when you need to plug someone in on a good team. This year, I think there is a lot of up and down for him in a smaller sample size compared to the first line. And I'd give him around a B. Yeah. I mean, he was on pace to score almost 25 goals this year. I mean, I'll yeah. say his stats are now. I mean, I forgot to mention Raymond's stats, by the way. 
hell of a host I am. Uh, 23 goals, 34 assists, 57 points for Raymond. Anyway, Robbie Fabry, 56 games, 17 goals, 30 assists. That's good production for a second line forward if you're almost you're you're on pace to score 25 goals. Yeah, that is really good. Yeah, I we all knew Fabry's not great defensively, and then a line that line, the Guelph line got split up pretty quickly because of that. Their defensive um, issues, but no, I I agree. Fabry again is the guy that kind of has the Bertuzzi energy esque where they'll kind of turn it on, they'll start running their mouths. I mean, there's the infamous picture from the Vancouver game where they're both John at, I think, what, who was it? It was Chase on. Yeah, Alex Chase on. Yeah. And that's just awesome as it is. But, yeah, Fabry is – I'm really interested to see what happens next season because he's not projected to join the lineup until November-ish. Really? So that's going to be a month without him. Or he's going to be on LTIR probably. And I, I don't know what happens with that. That's maybe where you insert Jonathan Bergeron. Yeah. At the start of the year at least. Um, it makes things very interesting to say the least. Um, but no, I, obviously I like Robbie Fabry a lot and I think he, I I agree with you. He's ideally on a contending team, a very good third line player who can add an offense. My question is, is can he bring that stability to be serviceable as a defensive, like in his own end? Yeah, that's my only worry because I do not like him in defensive zone. No. And I think if you give them like two guys that are more defensively minded in in their own end, I think it'd be okay. Like you can kind of shelter that. Um, but again, I I like the thing you put up over Fabry. You can kind of just find the back of the net randomly at some points where. And you have to have players on your roster like that. Yes, like Jacob Verana, Robbie Fabry. Obviously, can, two completely yeah. different players, but. No, I. Yeah, I'm excited to see Fabry come back to the lineup for sure. I do. I like I like Fabry a lot, but I'm weary a little bit of how how he comes back because his skating like took a hit. I was already taking a hit as he was a good skater out of the draft, and then he's kind of just like an okay skater now. And it's not his fault not not his fault by any means, but three ACL surgeries is going to affect your skating, yeah. whether we like it or not. So I'm curious how he comes back to it. And, of course, he just signed a new deal, too. So kind of has to make it work here. Yeah. So will be interesting. Uh, next guy, Pew Suter. For a guy that I completely bought into at the start of the year, probably 25 games in, maybe even more than that, he really took a hit for me. He was horrible for – Probably a 15 to 20 game stretch, would you say? So I thought he started the season kind of rough. He like a nine game stretch until he scored his first goal. And I thought he wasn't playing that great. I thought and he then, was playing good at down that stretch. Like really defensively, yeah. everything I wanted from him. It was just, he had so many chances that he could not bury on. But no, I would say it's like a 15 game stretch in about January ish, January, okay. February area. Um, and it was kind of like if when the rest of the team went bad, I felt like he brought his game back, which is kind of funny. I'm, I mean, I think he can be a third line center too. Oh yeah, I I think he's a decent, if not good, third line center. And uh, I was pleasantly pleased with him for a good portion of the year. Then another portion of the year, I was 
very displeased with him. So it's real highs and lows for me for Pius. Uh, ultimately, like if I gave him a grade, it'd probably be a C plus. Yeah, I'm C plus B minus for him. I think with expectation, I think he kind of nailed what I was expecting. 35 points. He's not an ideal second line center, but maybe there was more there with his age. And he showed that he's he's what he is. He's the third line. He's the third line center being asked to play second line minutes. I thought there were some really bright spots in his year. Like you said, I think that Edmonton game in Detroit is a biggest one for me where he was tasked with shutting down McDavid. And I thought he did a real good job with it. He looked really good, comfortable. Um, yeah, I think he's a really good PK guy too. I should point that out. I, I like him. On the, I like him on the penalty kill a lot. Power play. He should never be on the power play. He's not like we. I think we thought there was more offense than there actually is. He's skilled, but he's not overly skilled. He's a real smart. possessive, smart forward too. Yeah, like if he was on a third line with also players that can possess well. I think you can have something there for generating offense too, while being good defensively. If Elmer Soderblom was was ready for the NHL, throw him on the third line of Pew Suter. Yes. Ready for the NHL? Soderblom, Suter, and Bergeron. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like I, I I agree with that. Because, I mean, when the, the Guelph line was at their best, they were possessing pucks on the cycle, and Pew Suter was able to find a quiet area in the slot and finish. I think, I think that Philly game where a couple times he got open, I mean, he scored in the one, but I'm pretty sure he missed on a couple others. Uh, a couple, like, backdoor plays from Bertuzzi. But, no, I, I like that a lot with the Pew Suter. I mean, 36 points this year. I did think the last, like, 10 games, too, he was one of the most important Red Wings. Simply with ice time and not having Dylan Larkin. Yeah, I agree. With what he was being asked. Um, so, I, again, with that signing, I it's a, it was a good signing. Agreed. Very good It's going to be really interesting next year with whatever decision we make in free agency. If we decide to sign a Vinny Trocek, let's say, what happens with Valena? What happens with Suter? Yeah. I think that's an interesting conversation to have. There's other names that I watch out for too in that conversation too. X X E or E X. I E. I E. Lots of stuff. Uh into our next player, Philip Zadina. Yes. Perfect transition. Mm-hmm. Perfect transition. It's just a little choppy with all the XEs, the CXs, the the DSs plus. I- well, you you yeah, you did the CX. I was thinking the Eastern Stealth CX. Okay, I was thinking the DS as in the thing that you played Nintendo. Nintendo, on. yeah, yeah. I got yeah. your saying. I'm smelling. I'm smelling what you're stepping in. Yeah, it's um, not a nice. Philip Sedina, uh, the biggest enigma on the Red Wings this season. <clears throat> Is he not developing? Is it bad luck? Is it a little bit of both? What is it? You're asking me what his problem is. Yeah, what's his problem? If I was a problem solver, he would be solved. Uh, but I am not a problem solver, and apparently nobody else is. Not I, Jeff Blaschel. Not Jeff Blaschel, that's for sure. Not Jeff Blaschel. I think he's a real interesting case of a player that if someone were to grade him, everyone would have a different grade. That's a really good point. Uh, I think he underperformed drastically 
I thought he was horrible at the start of the year. He had a good 10 game stretch where he was fabulous at one point this year. I think it was probably 10 games. After that, he went down a little bit and he was still reasonably good. Ultimately, though, you look at production for a sixth overall pick that has been playing in the league, not consistently, because, I mean, some of these years have been chopped up and pushed together, and it feels like he's been in the league for a long time, but he really hasn't been in the league for that long. No. Was he 100 games now? Just over? He's like 150? Yeah, 150. His production's bad. It is. He had what? What do you have? 24 20, points. 24. He had 10 goals, 14 assists in 74 games. That's not acceptable. That uh, is third third line quality. Yep. If I were to grade him, it'd be a D. I think that's completely fair. I go D. Yeah, D, D plus. Perfect. I, I don't think you're saying anything out of line either. I mean, when you look at the, I kind of see like he, I think he started the year with a couple good games. Vancouver, I thought he was very engaged mm-hmm. and he was shooting the puck a lot, but like he kind of was not having puck luck and that got in his head. And then I'd say from like game 10 to like 25, that's where stuff started to get real bad for him. That like 15 game stretch. He got knocked down to the fourth line at one point. I remember it was a game in Dallas and he was playing with, uh, it was Carter Rowney and Sam Gagne, I think. And he looked unbelievable for a couple shifts. And he had a game in Boston, too, where it was, like, the same line mates. Had a great game. And he kind of, like, just had these up and downs up until it seemed like right around where he got put on the first line with Larkin and Raymond. He stretched together some really good games, and he kind of carried that on for the rest of the year. I mean, granted, it wasn't, like, super high all season or, like, the, the rest on. But I thought he was, like, reasonably good, and, like, that's something we can build off of, right? Yeah. So – Especially, I know we talked about it towards the end of the season, like probably like late March, we were talking how him and Valeno needed more opportunity, especially with like injuries and stuff. And he never really got that. I think like after it seemed like Blaschel wrote him off as soon as it happened. Like he got plenty of opportunity at the beginning of the season. Don't get me wrong, but it seemed like after the fact, Blaschel was like, it kind of like wiped his hands like the, like he was done. I really liked Zadina when Verona came back in the lineup too. I know it was a little bit overhyped going into the year that, oh, they played – the Verona did so well and Zadina did so well, but Zadina didn't really have any points. But there was, like, tangible plays this, from this that I remember more, so that there's something there between those two. Whether it's something there or just Zadina looked better, I don't know if there's something there on Verona's end too or if it's just Zadina's end. I think it's more so just Zadina's end. Yeah, I think Braun has been very good with who's ever whoever he played with so far. Right, like one of we talked about before he came back. Michael Rasmussen was one of his most used line mates last year, and Valtteri Filppula. Right, those were the two, and he was great with Filppula. And (laughs) Filppula was a hot topic last year in Red Wings land. Uh, Not a good way. No. So. I just think about that and how you compare Zadina to a good fit with Verona. Is it a good fit for Verona or is it a good fit for Zadina? And I think the answer is Zadina. I think Verona can fit well with anyone as he's kind of proved that. So Zadina is a big question for me also going into this offseason. There there has got to be some tires that are 
going to be kicked on the forward front. Like, they have so many players under contract this year, going into next year, I mean. And if you want to improve the team, you've got to – something's got to budge. And is Zadina one of those pieces that budges this year? I mean, there was all that speculation before the deadline that Zadina was a a target or was on the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I think something's going to give on the forward front and where it is. I don't know. I It's tougher to trade a bottom six guy than it is a middle to top six guy or a guy with a lot of potential. I think if you're trading Zadina, the package is going to be really interesting to get back. I don't know exactly what that is. Yeah. No, I, I it could be something like a a prospect for prospect kind of flop, like two guys that are needed more of a change of scenery. Something like that. Like I think of like an Alex Turcotte, but again, I don't know if I'm doing Alex Turcotte because I mean he's struggled even in the AHL. He's being kind of he's been good, but he's not elite. Right. Yeah. So that's just the first name that came to my mind. Yeah. Um but yeah, there could be like something like that, or is it a package for like a Chikrin Sandheim kind of thing? I I have kicked the tires so much in my head lately about Chikrin, so I am all for I'm all I'm all over the Chikrin trade right now. Just so you know, I'm mocking up a trade as we speak. I've been mocking up a trade for the last week. Yeah, and that'll be a huge like that'll be some off season content fall like up until like the draft and whatnot, whenever Jacob Chickering gets traded. Cause he doesn't want to, I mean, from his press conference, he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. He's going to the Red Wings. I mean, finally, I mean, he was picked with the pick that was ours. Yeah. He, he is. He is ours. Yes. No, I, yeah. And again, if Philip Zina stays, I'm more like, I think there is something there. Like, I think he's going to be a, like a middle six winger. I think it's the question if he's a second line winger or a third line winger yeah to me to go back to that check talk though isn't it crazy to think about how the red wings or ken holland got snubbed so bad in that trade he traded Dotsuk and that pick that ended up being check for chalowski and Horonic, basically so you, you trade away you <laughs> you trade check and Dotsuk for Horonic and chalowski yeah good trade sick i mean yeah, Datsuk. Datsuk and Chris Bronger are my favorite Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. Marion Hosa, Marion Hosa, too. Datsuk was sick for the Yotes. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Like, anyone saying, like, oh, cool, we'll just flip Bergeron right in Zadina's spot. Zadina's ahead of Bergeron. Talent-wise and where they're at, I completely agree. All right, I completely agree. I, I believe that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You're telling no. me if Zadina went down to the AHL right now, he'd put up the numbers that Bergeron put up this year? Because I disagree. I so. uh, okay, let's. I will flop that with Zadina's comments. If you put Bergeron up in the NHL right now, where Zadina was playing, you think he does better? No. Okay, I think it's a different conversation. Like I think it's two different, you know, two different ways to look at that. I think Zadina's more developed. That's my point. I think Bergeron right now, if you look at ceiling. Compared to what you've seen from Zadina, I think Bergen has a higher ceiling. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I think I still lean production wise. I I don't. We haven't seen anything from Zadina. Bergen actually, all you've seen from him is up 
his production has went up everywhere. Yeah. And he's just he's getting better and better every year. Sedin has been stagnant since he's came in the league. And not a yeah. good stagnant. Like no. you're not, yeah. Maybe you're on something. I don't know. I still maybe I'm a Zadina apologist. I'm still holding out for something. But it happens. Yeah, no, and it's a, I might have the red wing colored glasses on with six overall pick, and I'm like, he's gonna work out, it's gonna it's gonna happen. But I don't know. Yeah. I ultimately like I'll understand either decision Eisman makes, to be honest. I'm not gonna be too upset with it either. I like Zadina. I like his game. I like when he's on, he's I'm a huge fan of it. But question is, is Eisman gonna be like it's not Eisman's pick. He has really nothing tying him to Zadina. And he's an RFA this summer. Yeah, I don't think that really is gonna be a problem either because he hasn't proven anything to be no, no no I, I just meant more so like negotiate like, like he's not gonna ask for a lot, but I'm saying no trading rights and whatnot could work or something. I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter either way. He has no terms, so the team the team that would be acquiring him can do what they want. That's yeah. what I'm saying, I guess. So yeah. Uh the so this can be kind of like a top six one. So I'll one more and then we'll kind of stop for the episode. But uh Jacob Verana. The JV uh, he also is a guy that I thought was really good in his time this year. There weren't many times where I was like, holy man. There was one game specifically that V was the worst player on the ice. Yes. And that's he's a really unique player where we've talked about all the time that he can just touch a puck and it can be in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. And that to me is so exciting. He He's ridiculous some games where – and when he's hot, uh, it gets dangerous to where the other team, I feel like, gets nervous. Yeah. Like, that game against Minnesota, he was such a threat. He had two goals early in the game, and the rest of the game, they were – it was like every time he touched the puck, something electric was going to happen. I missed both those goals. I was, yeah. out, I was out to eat. That was a tough one. He has the ability to just – Make make nothing into something. Yeah, and I think Blashfield nailed it. Like when he was ta- when he talked about Verona and like his usage and how he's able to create something from nothing, which is a talent that it's a rare among players. Yeah, like I don't th- I don't think any other Red Wing, to be honest, has that ability on the team right now. Nope, that scoring threat. The issue, the question is going to be, can he? what can he do through an 82 game season? Cause we can keep going projections because he was on pace for over 40 goals this year, but what can he do through a full 82? Yeah. That's the biggest question. We haven't seen that yet. Cause I mean, history shown in his career that he's a 50 point, 50 point guy, roughly 25 goals. Can he be a 30, 35 guy? That's what my, that's what my hope is next year. Yeah. I think he can be, I think he can be like a 30, like a 35, 25, 30 guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Roughly 60 points a year, 35 goals. We're laughing. Like, that's a great production. But, yeah. Obviously, he's not a defensive guy. Uh-oh. Not his forte. Not his, yeah, not at all. Um, I really wish, I know they were stuck with Raymond. Like, they really wanted to have Raymond with Larkin the whole year, which is fine. I really would have liked to see Verona on that first line with Larkin more. 
that would have been something I, I something I want to explore next year for sure. But I would have loved to see what the fit would have been. Yeah. With his finish ability and then Larkin, the ability to create plays with his speed and create time and space. And I think like a Zadino on that line would have been an interesting fit as well. Possibly confidence and get a hot streak going. I don't know. But again, next year is a totally different story. But no, I, I, it's funny to like look back and this whole season with mostly without Vron. I mean, played 26 games. He had 19 points, 13 of those goals. Uh, what would have happened if you would have played the full 82 with the Red Wings? Yeah, I where, don't know. where are we in the draft lottery rankings? That's all I'm saying. I would like to say we're picking, we're not picking in the top 10. I could be wrong, but I kind of just think that's what we'd be closer to the Columbus range. I think maybe, maybe we will never know. Uh, and again, I love even with Mantha doing well. I mean, we got Kosa who's playing outstanding in the playoffs right now for Edmonton, Verona and additionally the second round pick that's going to happen this year great nothing to complain about that nothing to complain about that so yeah verona i it's hard to give a grade because he played 26 games but i probably go in a, like an a minus yeah a minus yeah i think he started really hot and then he kind of went cold and then he you know produced kind of like what he did like he had streaks up and downs in his 11 games last year i think Obviously, one of those one of those games having four goals, and he had multiple two goal games this year. Yeah, it's easy. He's a streaky guy. Goal scorers are streaky. It's pretty rare for consist like for have a guy consistently scoring every night. Like not everyone's awesome, Matthews. True. Um. Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for this one. Uh, we'll kind of break up the next part of the forwards and possibly defensemen in the next one. We'll see how long we go on about them. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening.